the bulls are able to remain in control no matter what comes their way. Even after a huge move up, demand for stocks remains so strong. Every time the bears try to sell, the bulls show up and quell that bearish pressure and they buy more than the bears are selling, hence stocks going up. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening into the podcast. I'm Sean Vincent. I am the voice of Last Week in the Market. Soon we'll be joined by Adam Sarhan. He is the brains behind Last Week in the Market. Adam was enjoying a little walk through the park today when I called him. You might hear some birds in the background. Part of the reason is, is that, uh, you know, this week and this year, and in fact, this bull run that we've had since November is so good that he's you know, run out of things to do and has time to enjoy himself. That's going to be part of our theme today. Adam, you probably know, is the author of the book, Psychological Analysis. He is the creator of the AMPD trading strategy. That's A-M-P-D. And he is curator of the findleadingstocks.com newsletter. It's a really nice time right now for AMPD traders. It seems like no matter what the macroeconomic world throws at the market, the bulls show up. It won't last forever, but man, you got to enjoy it while you can. We'll talk about that today. But before we get to all of that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical, and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's Friday, February 2nd, 2024, Groundhog's Day. Here's what happened last week in the market. On Wednesday, the Fed indicated that it's not raising rates, but it's not going to be lowering them as quickly as the market may have anticipated. Did the market care? Maybe a little bit. Not really. It had a down day on Wednesday, but it sprang back with a vengeance on Thursday. Today, jobs numbers came out better than expected. The market has rallied. Adam's going to tell us what it all means. All right, we're rolling. So, you know, Adam, I got to start today's conversation with some talk about the macroeconomic conditions, the the market conditions. We know we had the, the Fed made some indications on Wednesday that they're not going to raise rates, but they're not going to lower them in March. It's going to be a little bit longer. The market had a, a, a tepidly poor reaction to that, but it didn't last long. Things bounced back on Thursday. Things are going crazy today. We got this jobs report out that uh, employers added 353,000 jobs. I'm reading the New York Times. Headlines include job growth defies expectation and economy shows surprising strength. Both of those headlines mean that, that the market is behaving surprisingly well compared to the so-called smart people's expectations. What do you read yeah. into that? So a few great points there. Number one, the Fed, their number they have two, a dual mandate. Their first mandate is to make sure unemployment stays low. People are employed. Check that box. No problem. Today's jobs report says, hey, no problem at all. The second mandate is to make sure inflation stays around 2%. Well, okay, that, that's a problem because inflation for a long time, from 08 all the way up until COVID in 2020, was virtually non-existent. And they pumped QE1, QE2, QE3, which is just easy money, 
pumping, injecting massive amounts of easy money, unprecedented, by the way. And same with other central yeah, banks. Quantitative easing. Quantitative easing. Right. Yeah. And massive, unprecedented money into the system. And there was no inflation. The downside of pumping money into the system is inflation. And inflation just wasn't around from that entire period from 2009 to 2020. And then COVID hit. And then all of a sudden, the Fed just doubled down and said, we're going to bring out that easy money bazooka. And they did unbelievable amount of easy money. They also changed their stance with respect to inflation, saying it could be an average of 2% because they needed inflation to go up. So what happened was they overshot and they kept rates low for too long. They pumped too much money to the system. Finally, inflation took off and, and it became a problem. So 2022 and early 2023, the Fed had to fight inflation. So they started raising rates very aggressively. Okay. Inflation started coming down. Since October of 2022, all the way up until you know Q1 of 24, inflation fell from about 7% to about 3%. But it's still above 2%, which is a target. Right, okay, so right. now they, you know, in November, the Fed told us that they're pretty much done raising rates. Okay, in, uh, in December, and stocks took off. In December, the said, Fed said, hey, or they hinted, that we're going to start cutting rates. Stocks took off. January opened the month a little bit lower because the month is over now. We can do a month in review also, but it closed much mm -hmm. higher. And remember, Sean, part of what we do here is we want to look for subtleties in the market. I always like to say the market's speaking and ask, are you listening? Well, that's the market speaking to us because it's over. You know, you open lower for the month. You had a 4.26% correction for those of you that like specific numbers in the NASDAQ 100. Yep. That's a very small blip on the radar. And then what happened? You, the market just took off by the end of the month, closed near the highs. So that shows you a few things. Number one, even after a huge move up, demand for stocks remains so strong. Number two, yeah. it shows, to go back to your question here and answer it, it shows you the economy and the market remain very strong. So now the Fed told us that they're not going to cut rates in March. The market had gotten ahead of itself, pricing in too many rate cuts this year. I told everybody... Every, you know, the last three months, curb your enthusiasm. By the way, the new shows come, the new season's coming out, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to curb your enthusiasm about these whole rate cuts, because the Fed's not going to cut as aggressively as the market expected. Now you look at today, you get the jobs report, which is way stronger than expected. The Fed can't mm -hmm. cut rates because if they start cutting rates too early, they're going to make another problem. Remember earlier I said they kept rates sure, they, too low for too they long? They spend all their mojo. Exactly. Yeah. And then they're going to cut rates and then, bam, inflation goes back up again. So that's where the Fed's at. Where the market stays strong, you had stocks like Facebook or Meta, you had Amazon, you had Deckers, all gap up today after reporting strong earnings. Apple was down a little bit. But for the most part, this week is over now. It was a very heavy tech week for earnings. And the market's yeah. near the highs, and that tells you everything you need to know about what the reaction is. The bulls remain in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah despite a, a big down day on, on Wednesday, we're going to, it looks like we're recording at, what, 11 o'clock on Friday morning. It looks like this week's going to end up, which makes it, what, uh, uh, only one down week in the last 15? Which is incredibly strong. So the other point here, Sean, is when you 14, look. Yeah, yeah, and it's. But, but yeah, and, and what I'm saying is like there's there's this sort of – even you've been saying like we're, we're watching for this pullback. We, we expect one, right? Mm -hmm. But then in the end, uh, the market just keeps going up. Yeah, <laughs> and up. yeah. And, and, and that's and, – and, and I think that to your point, like uh, the market speaking, are you listening? Yes. Um, you just got to – you know, at a certain point, you just got to go with it. I mean, we, it's amped 
trading strategy is defense first trading strategy. The D stands for defense first. And the whole point is you have your protective stops in. But I got to tell you, I think if somebody has gotten in at the beginning of this rally in November, um, you know, we talk about portfolio heat sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of AMP traders, they've got their stops positioned in a place where if they blow out of everything right now, uh, they walk away with a profit still. The bulls are able to remain in control to, no matter what comes their way. Every time the, mar- mm-hmm. the bears try to sell, the bulls show up and quell that bearish pressure and they buy more than the bears are selling, hence stocks going up. That portfolio heat concept, for those that aren't familiar, it basically says, hey, listen, Let's say you have your portfolio gets hits a new high. You start at 100, it rallies a little bit, goes to 120. And then all your stops, let's say, will be at 110. So that would be a pullback or you'll have some heat. Whenever the market pulls back, you're going to experience heat. So if you're able to move your stops up with their advanced entry points or the early entry points, the AMP traders, you know, we've been bullish since the beginning of this move in November, then you'd have a really big cushion. And now, like yeah. you said, Sean, all your stops are, if not break even, if not higher than break even and below areas of support, you're sitting on really big, I mean, just a lot of profit, a lot of it's a cushion. It's a, it's a big win. So even yeah. if the market pulls all the way back down, you're either going to get out for a profit or get out for break even because of the A and AMP, which is the advanced entry points. And that's how this process works. So right great point. Yeah. yeah. But, but it makes... Uh, it makes it much more comfortable to go into a, a day like Wednesday, knowing that all your stops are set. If the whole thing falls out and blows out, you still got a profit. Um, it's a good place to be. 100%. And, and I think that's one of the unique characteristics of the AM trading strategy that people need to know about is is the sort of when you're into this kind of bull market and you're deep into it and you've been paying attention and you got your positions, then um, your your risk is ends up going down and you are exposed to the upside. Yeah, your reward goes up. Very well said. Risk down, reward up. And Adam, you were telling me while you are out on your walk earlier today about someone who reached out to you and said, now what do I do? I got everything's green and all my stops are in. I'm nervous about it. I'm freaking out. What do I do with my day? You know, Sean, you bring up a really, really good point. So um, big hello to Ken and thank you to Ken. He's been a friend of mine, a member of coaching clients since 2004. The relationships evolved a lot since, but, um, he came to basically he's pretty much in the best position he's ever been in. And he's doing the work where a lot of this comes down to, if you do the setups, you're going to get the results, so to speak, not guaranteed, but for the, it'll greatly increase the probability of success. So I told him, I said, you know, I learned this from Ray Dalio, the biggest hedge fund manager of our generation. Ring the bell. Celebrate the success. Now, initially, he was concerned about the fact that he missed, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch or some other stock that, you know, he didn't get. But I'm like, there's always going to be stocks that get away from us. I don't know anybody that consistently catches every single big monster stock in size in every single cycle. And the good news is you don't have to. So I, that's one. Sec, so ring the bell, celebrate the win. Second, it's really important as you make your way through the market to recondition your brain. Because think of Pavlo's dog. Like it's re, you know, most of us are taught to trade time for money. We go to work, mm-hmm. we work X amount of hours. You know, I work 10 hours for you, Sean, and you pay me a dollar an hour. I get paid, okay, great. At the end of the week, here's my paycheck. I get $10. Okay, great. Or whatever the case is. 
The problem with that, it's fine. Yeah, using your eighteen ninety uh, dollars. Yeah, I'm watching. Dollar. Actually, I'm, I'm yes, I'm watching the Men Who Built America. It's available on YouTube on the History Channel with my daughter. She's twelve, and that's where I'm going. That's where my mind went with the one dollar. By the way, so yes, you're right. Yeah. It's the eighteen nineties. It's Vanderbilt and and uh, and Carnegie and and all these kinds Carnegie, of Carnegie. Yeah. yeah. So um, in that eighteen, so let's. I'm just using it for simplicity too. One dollar is much easier than twenty. So yeah, monopoly money. Yeah. So one dollar. Okay, great. The problem with that though is that it's finite. Number one. Number two. That's the exact opposite of what happens in the market. In the market, we're putting our money to work for us, not the other way around. You know, in the real world, so to speak, you're working for your money. Here, the money's working for you. So that mindset or that shift is super, super important. Because the, lots of times, the less you do in the market, the more successful you'll be. Whereas right. in life, in work, if I go work for a job, the, you know, the more I do, the more successful I'll be. I need to do the widgets. I, I pump out more widgets. Like Henry Ford, here you go. We're watching The Men Who Built America. And my son, who's now in second grade, he's, he just learned about Henry Ford. So he's about the assembly line and all that. So I'm like, oh, I watched this show a year. I think it was like 10 years ago. Whenever it came out, The Men Who Built America. I'm like, we're going to watch it again. So and my daughter is in sixth grade. She loved the, the thing and she's homesick this week and she's watching the show um, just as you know, good educational content to sprinkle yeah. in. So, okay, great. So Henry Ford did what? We've got to pump out more cars. And by the way, his genius was saying what? We're going to build cars for the everyday person too. So the everyday person can afford it. Okay. Whereas before that, it was just for the ultra, ultra top 1% ultra wealthy people. So, okay, fine. Now he's got a problem. He's got so much demand, <laughs> literally off the charts, he can't make enough cars. So that's where his next you know, inspiration or genius came in, where he's like, everybody just does one thing, the rule of one. You're going to just do the tires, you do the, the body, you do this, you do that, and there's the assembly line. All day, every day, just do one thing, and bam, productivity went through the roof. In the market, it's not like that. The market's scalable. There is no limit. It's virtually limitless. It's a $20, $30 trillion kind of environment. you got a billion dollars, if you're listening to this, it's still a drop in the bucket. And most people think it's a lot of money and billion dollars is a lot of money, but it's all relative compared to the size of the stock market, the size of the economy, it's a drop in the bucket. So if you're right. buying a million dollars, 10 million, I'm not dismissing anyone's money. They have $50,000 in the bank or in their portfolio. That's their money respected. Every single dime is important. But my right. point is, is that your money, you have to change your mindset. Your money has to work for you. So you don't have to physically be doing a lot of things. And in fact, the more you do most of the time, the worse your results are. Not always, but most of the time. So that's one thing. The next point is the example I gave you, Sean, about the widow who inherits a 20,000 square foot mansion. Her husband passed away. She has a squeaky floor. And she calls the yeah. carpenter, comes in, the handyman. He's like, oh, it's 50 grand. We got to change the floorboards. The next person comes in, 30 grand. We got to do nothing. Third guy comes in, pulls out one hammer, one nail, puts his head to the floor, takes a few more steps, head to the floor. Bam, 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 puts one nail in, gives her an invoice, $1,000, the squeak is gone. She freaks out. Oh my God, how could you charge $1,000 for one nail? He's like, lady, you're not paying me for the nail. You're paying me for my knowledge and expertise on where to put the nail. I could have told you, let's rip up the floorboards and charge you 50 grand like the other jokers. I'm not doing mm -hmm. that. She gladly paid the bill. And it's the same thing in this business. Because he had value and it wasn't connected to the time. And exactly, or the material. Right, yeah, it's not about working. the nail. Yeah. Who cares about the nail? That's not why you're paying me, lady. And she she loved it. She paid it with bells on, and the guy justified his price. So the same thing with the market. You buy those leading stocks that we talk about every single week with the fine leading stock service. That's the whole goal. Then yes. step one. Step two is get out of the way. 
and just let them go. Let them work as long as they're going up. Somebody also asked me, Adam, what's the difference between a good stock and a bad stock? I said, simple. Good stocks go up after you buy them. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> after you buy them. Yeah. yeah. So a couple things there. And so just mindset. And to speak to mindset, even in the beginning of this, you talked about in the real world, you work for your money. And, and just that term, the real world, implies that the stock market isn't the real world. And I know that's not what you meant, of course, but you're you're echoing the mindset that new traders have when they get into this that are almost astonished or maybe even feel slightly guilty that by doing nothing other than strategically risking their money, they're able to sit back and watch it grow. Uh, and it's, it's almost mind-bending for people who are new to finding success in the market, right? hundred percent, John. It's a really, really great line. Somebody I interviewed is a multi-billion dollar manager on the Smart Money Circle show. He goes, Adam, we're not buying and selling stocks. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we're buying and selling risk. You know, these companies, by the way, you're doing good here and you're helping the economy fl- function. So if you think, oh yeah, I'm getting rich or I'm doing this or you feel guilty, it's all nonsense. A, it's in your head. B, it's not true. It's the exact opposite. Without people investing in the stock market, the economy would not be able to grow the way it's growing. Companies that go public, they go public because they're going to take that money and use it to get even bigger and help the economy make an impact and change thousands of lives, millions of lives, billions of lives now with you know so on and so forth. Yeah, we're investing in the future. 100%. You know, that, that's what trading is. That trading, trading is a belief that the people who are in enterprise – and building the future are going to build us a better future than we have now. Yeah, and, and it's 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 often a in the great American tailwind. It's a it's often a winning uh, a winning proposition. Yeah, and Sean, that the future should be better. Think of it. Not even not only that, which by the way is an excellent point. You also these companies need the money. Let's say you and I have a cure for I don't know any disease, enter any disease you want. Right? Let's say cancer. Okay, great. Well, two things have to happen. Number one, we have to have enough money to manufacture the cure. And then number two, mm. we have to have enough money to distribute the cure to people that need it. Okay, right. where's that money going to come from? You got to do two things. You got to sell the actual product. So that whole, I wanted to spell another myth about sales is bad or people that feel bad selling. You know, selling is one of the most noblest things you could possibly do in the world because even if you did have the cure for cancer, you need to sell it. Otherwise, you go broke and you wouldn't be able to help anybody. So you right. literally have to sell it. So selling is good, in my opinion. That's one. Two going public. The way these companies thrive is by going public. They raise money from the public to reinvest and grow their business. That's why every single company in the market, more or less, just about every single market that I know at least, goes public for that reason. Amazon, Jeff Bezos had a dream, a vision, genius. I mean, genius. He literally had to go public to get enough money to continue to grow and thrive and get to the next level. Otherwise, Amazon wouldn't be where it is today. Apple, Microsoft, same and say and go on and on and on and on. So by participating yeah. in capital markets, I, my belief is that we are helping the economy and these businesses thrive because without us, there would be the, the entire system shuts down. By us, I mean people that participate in the market. That's right. And, it, and it's not money for nothing because when you invest in a stock, you're sharing the risk. Hundred percent, and by the way, because you could lose it. Exactly. There you go. The point of that is, if you get to the point where maybe like many amp traders today are looking at their portfolio and it's healthy and robust and growing, 
then like you said with Ray Dalio, go ahead and ring the bell and for God's sakes, take the win and enjoy it and know that that is because you've made smart choices. You've managed your risk exactly for this type of circumstance when the market is strong and resilient and keeps marching forward and it's making you the money that you deserve from the money that you originally worked for to put into the market in the first place. Oh, 100%. And by the way, by by taking the win, doesn't mean you have to cash out and get out of the stock. It just means that you, you're acknowledging the success in your own mind and you're giving yourself that win of like, yeah, you know what? I've earned this. I deserve it. I've done a really, really good job. And then take your hands off of it and get out of the way. Cool. As long as your stops are in, your risk is managed and, and you're paying enough attention, you don't have to fiddle with it. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a, like somebody who's new to grilling can't, can't keep the grill shut. Can't leave the meat alone. Yes. Burn it. And, and, and you keep futzing around with it by pushing this, pushing that, moving this, moving that. It, it doesn't just let it cook. Just give let it. it cook. Yeah. Let it cook. All right, everybody. That's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening through to the end. Since our theme is uh, taking the hands off and enjoying the win, we're going to make that a short podcast today, and I am going to go home early and grill something. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, as Adam always says, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. Ring the bell. Celebrate the success.